0: Story Number 1 The Impossible Part 4 Station Prometheus Alpha, in orbit around the material world Prometheus, observing the Sagan Dyson sphere around Judiana 6, in a one way corridor halfway between the MedLab and the Command Center. I came to an important revelation when talking with Chief Analyst. Dr. Ray's began without preamble, having yet again cornered Commander Church and Lieutenant Matthews during work hours. They were curious about the Sagan, of course, wanted to know how we did it, but most curious of all was how exactly they sought to understand the most. They had good guesses as to how we gathered the materials and how we used the energy to incomplete sphere to feed back into the construction exponentially. But overall, the thing that most baffled them was the labor. They had no idea how we had gathered enough hands to put things together. She flipped a page on the clipboard and she was scanning as she spoke, ignoring Church's attempts to get a word in. It was littered with scribbled notes. That sort of fell into place after meeting the Terrace. You recall how she made the humanoid body specifically for the meeting? Yeah, I asked about that and it turns out the brood mothers do that all the time. They have the ability to produce a highly specialized offspring to fulfill whatever task is needed. It's how they adapt." Say we have a task that needs a digital precision to pull off. We would program a computer to do it. Well for the same problem, a brood mother would create a unique scalia, with a superpowered mind geared specifically to that exact task and nothing else. It is a very efficient way of running a civilization. But it has limits. Chief raised a finger knowingly, eyes triumphantly locking on churches. Automated drone labor, exponential replication tech, these are things that they can't do. The brood mothers can create a lot of offspring, but they are still the only ones that can create offspring. It's the one task that they can't make a specialized scullier for, making more scullier. So when they see someone thing as huge as a Dyson Sphere, they imagine we had billions and billions of people here, disassembling a planet to make the thing. It's why they are so impressed. So the Zayadus, Commander Church interjected with a question largely unsaid. Dr. Ray shook her head grimly. Can't be done. The crew were literally designed to fly that ship. We humans don't have any way of interfacing with it. If we want a warp ship now, we are going to have to remove its engine and integrate it into our own ships. Well then, Church spoke up before Ray's could get going again. She could talk like this for hours without stopping. Looks like I have another project to get started. Ship zero one three three designation Terrace one, position Z minus one hundred forty nine, X minus nine zero four six one, Y minus nine one two seven five. Rude Mother Terrace was between jump one hundred fifty nine and one hundred sixty when she felt the awakening. She had a few last wistful moments of free thought. She spent it wondering if her plan would work, if this desperate attempt at freedom would have any chance of being different, if humanity really could do better than any of the dozen of civilizations that she had seen trampled effortlessly, beneath the might of the brood. Then she reached deep within herself, taking the melancholic thoughts with her, and buried her treachery into the depths of the psyche where it would never be found. The takeover was gradual. Taurus was not sure what to expect. It was the first time she had experienced this exact part of the cycle, after all. But she could feel the genuine care in a way the Grand Queen exerted her authority. All the motherly love of a parent putting her daughter to sleep firmly, knowing it was the right thing for her. Thirty thousand brood mothers between them commanding three trillion Scalier drones mentally bowed towards a single-pointed space. Over the thousand separate walls across only six light night-years of space instantly stopped, their respective leaders going from bitter enemies to perfect comrades in the space of a heartbeat. There was a burst of sadness across the network as the Queen expressed her disappointment at the hostility between her beloved daughters, her regret that the Scania had died fighting one another. Then, after bathing her children in her love, the Queen demanded a report. A mountain of data, more information than anything else in the known universe, organic or digital, could possibly process, was directed to the vast consciousness in the Grand Queen. 800 standard years multiplied by 30,000 separate experiences was processed into the breathtaking efficiency, analyzed, compared with the information and filed into a Grand Queen's memory. The most powerful computer in the universe at work. Then she arrived at the modern day and a single report gave a pause. Rude Mother Terrace felt the vastness of the Queen's mind focus on her, a sensation that would have likely rendered her unconscious if she hadn't lived it before, and aunt suddenly having the intention of a god. Images flitted through her mind, Taurus's memories being sorted through with a careless ease and loving care. The Queen only slowing to guarantee that she wouldn't harm her. A star. Disappearing, a warp journey, a panicking report from a captain of explorer's Cast, a structure that swallowed the sun, transcendent qualities of sheer power, a demand faltered through Taurus, the one that brooked no arguments. You tell me of this race of humanity. Station Prometheus Alpha, in orbit around the material world Prometheus, observing the Sagan Dyson sphere around Jodiata 6. Brig. They were expecting it. They had been given a warning from Taurus upon her leaving the Zidus and its crew behind. They had even locked the crew in containment cells as a precaution, the Scalier going in willingly at the command of the Broodmother. All the same, the human staff of Prometheus Alpha were totally shocked when the entire crew of the Zydas suddenly turned hostile. Calmly, talking to the crew members behind locked stopped speaking mid-sentence. Those who had been eating from the nutrient feeders installed in the facility from their ships stopped mid-bite. There was an eerie few minutes as the drones all stared at the wall in a haunting, synchronized silence. None of them attempted to communicate. Then all at once, every single one of them attacked the walls of their cells with desperate attempts to escape. None were successful, not immediately. The layered neoflexiglass could withstand the impact from a small cannon but Commander Church was quick to realize that a determined life form that appeared fully willing to injure itself to escape would eventually either find some way out, or just get itself trying. Though he didn't like it, he authorized the use of gas Taurus had directed them towards to induce a soporific effect, putting them all harmlessly to sleep. Well, we certainly know that she wasn't bluffing, sir. All the crew members had acted at the exact same time, despite being in totally disconnected cells. Could all of the kind be a hoax that they arranged somehow? But I struggled to think why they would do so. Seems counterintuitive to induce hostility in a new civilization, and then hand them the initiative to attack. Church looked soberly at the video feeds from the Scalia. It was looking more and more like the first contact was going to be yet another bloody chapter in humanity's history. Station Prometheus Alpha. In orbit around material board Prometheus, observing the second Dyson sphere around Juliana 6. Labs. It wasn't her area, not even close, but how could Dr. Reyes possibly deny herself a glimpse at a scientific breakthrough that would change human history forever? Such were the thoughts that she stared at the intimidating intensity at the screens depicting the scene currently occurring in high orbit over Prometheus. Besides, she thought... It would help keep her mind off the, um, other big thing going on. She watched a single point in light glow with luminosity that would have blinded her without the screen filtering it out. Scientific readouts with the phenomena scrolled down in the neighboring screen, but she ignored the data. She wasn't a physicist. It would make little sense to her. The point grew more powerful, light visible to the naked eye from the Prometheus Alpha, and a new star in the sky. Sagan's massive energy output focused into such a tiny area by the lens connected to her localized wormholes around Juliana. her motionless voice read calm instructions, the head scientist behind the project. The light died down, replaced with... something else. Cheering erupted from the supervising scientists, Dr. Reyes fell back in his seat before her knees could buckle and took a deep breath to gather her thoughts. Then she promptly took off, like a kid running off to her parents to show off a gold medal on the foot race. A few minutes later, a very serious meeting between the higher-ups, Premier Weiss, and some senior staff of Earth were interrupted by an excited xenobiologist, bursting in with a simple but very impactful announcement. Project Genesis is a success. The meeting had discussed at length what humanity would have to do with the threat was genuine. A plan had to be proposed to destroy the Grand Queen with minimal human risk if necessary. Use the Zyadus warp engine to get to Prime Scalia homeworld at the coordinates Taurus had given them with a wormhole beacon on board. With the understanding of warp travel, keeping an open wormhole with power supply by Sagan would allow them to make the trip in a single jump. Instant travel. Then they could open up a wormhole right in front of the enemy homeworld and direct the power of the Sagan Sphere through it. Instant planetary obliteration. It was a grim thought. Genocide on a scale never seen before to save untold more civilizations that would otherwise be trampled underfoot. Under tail. That was a last resort. The entire station staff had been given the chance to know the Scudia over the little time that they had been on the Prometheus. They were curious people, alien in their culture, but with more similarities to themselves and differences. Chief Analyst had even mentioned a great bioseed that implied the shared and ancient ancestor. To have first contact and the war of supremacy, when Taurus was clearly so desperate for peace, to have the greatest achievement of human engineering ever used as a weapon of ultimate destruction, against the people who, in their understanding, were essentially slave soldiers to a single overlord. It could be done, but that didn't want to. None of them truly did. Then Dr. Rays burst through the door and had given the best news they had collectively heard all week. Project Genesis, the most experimental technology since the invention of wormhole beacons, the eggheads were now even fine-tuning equipment for the use of the inevitable upcoming conflict. Genesis, the Scalia ignorance concerning drones, the energy of the sacred sphere. The plan started coming together. Two months after first contact, the Scalia Armada arrived at the Tuniana system. They were in a wide, very scattered formation, the direction of the Grand Queen, wary of any extremely wide area attacks made possible by the Dyson Sphere. There were over 10,000 warships, an unprecedented quantity of sheer firepower and military supremacy. The sight of them gliding through the space was a dread-inducing, the last sight of a thousand civilizations over the galactic eons. This was an empire-destroying fleet, Rude Mother Taurus, together with two of her sisters that had been gathering led the vanguard, examined the human presence in the system, noting changes from Taurus's memory. First and foremost, there was a human fleet orbiting Prometheus above the layers of planetary soil and still lazily circling the world, mostly the same model of ship, moving and impressively controlled formations, approximately 800 of them. Confidence swirled in the minds of the two brood mothers and the inferior numbers. A reprimand instantly came from the Grand Queen, reminding her arrogant daughters of the past campaigns where the technology difference had led to shocking losses, even in conflicts where the brood had possessed an overwhelming numerical superiority. Even with an apparent vantage, the brood must adapt before victory was certain. Subtly chastised, the brood mothers ordered the fleets forward. Weapons poised for the attack. In the name of the Grand Queen, they would annihilate this upstart civilization and take the Sun Sphere as an asset to serve the great expense that would soon begin. Human ships moved to intercept, and soon space was littered with wreckage. The war had begun. End of chapter